Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Oh my gosh! Simon! Hey! You're alive! I'm alive and well and I'm happy to be so back. so glad to have you back. I missed you. I absolutely yeah. missed you. Not that I didn't enjoy the presence of Corey Plath filling in for you, which was did, very appreciated. He did a phenomenal job. So he did. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad... I'm glad uh, you still have me on here because I was getting a little worried with how well he was Nobody doing. Nobody could ever fully replace you, Simon. Let's be <laughs> honest about that. As much as you might, you know, butt heads with me about Landon Donovan and Jurgen Klinsmann and the Revolution and the Timbers, I still love you no matter what. So oh, makes me feel good. Oh, good. Oh, good, good. I'm, I'm so glad that you're back after your, your time out in the Cascadia region. Yes. We were out in Portland and all of that, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But we are broadcasting live, Simon. From a very special venue this evening, uh, for those of you that will hear this on Sports Radio America tomorrow afternoon on Fridays from 3 to 6, uh, you'll be a little confused on why we're talking in the future, even though it's the past at right. the same time. But um, So for those of you that listen to us, you can find us on Fridays from 3 to 6 Eastern on Sports Radio America, Live 365, and tune in. You can also download our podcast and listen to us on demand anytime on Spreaker.com and iTunes as well. And you can find us on social media. Where, Simon? Uh, on that Facebook thing, that right? Face, the, right? The face of the books and <laughs> right. stuff. You can find us there at 2UpFront. And, of course, on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. Yes, we're, indeed. You were very busy on the uh, tweet machine tonight. I was, yes. It was I w- great to see. We were both tweeting and twatting and twittering and fluttering and everything of that nature. But we are broadcasting live from Soldier Field in beautiful downtown Chicago, yeah. my first time here in the great Soldier Field. Uh, as a, one who is a Green Bay Packers fan, it's hard to say that this is a beautiful stadium. But we're here for soccer. We are. Uh, as we are here for the 2015 CONCACAF Gold Cup. There were two group games this evening, Trinidad and Tobago taking on Guatemala and Mexico versus Cuba. And I just want to throw in there, I've, I've been here a few times now for some... Proper football matches. Proper football. I love it. <laughs> I was here for football, you. Football, not U- football. <laughs> U.S. Honduras. 
World Cup qualifier for 2010, actually. Wow. Back in the days when Sam's Army was still alive and well. It was only five years ago. Yeah, transformation into the American Outlaws. Uh, I saw U.S. take on Poland in a friendly here. Caught a fire game here. Actually, I caught one of the first fire games back in the old Soldiers Field before the renovations. Wow. Then then caught them in another game. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of cool to be back and... Seeing this Gold Cup match, first time I've actually seen Mexico in person. Okay, yeah, same for me as well. This is my first uh, experience at an international game. I've been to a few pro games via men's and women's games, but this is my first international game. And it was it was interesting. We weren't able to catch the Trinidad Guatemala game. We yeah, listened why, to it. Why, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we certainly. Um, Anyways, yes, <laughs> we'll get into that later yeah, too. Yeah, we'll definitely. Uh, we got plenty to say about that. I kind of wish we had the old Simon Says segment. Right, I got, I got we a might few have to bring to it back. Calf. Oh my yeah. gosh, we won't. We won't spoil that. That's definitely all coming up on the show. You though. know, actually, what would be more fitting is Baxter's bash. Baxter's bash. <laughs> I, I feel like with how we were treated and how the drive and how everything went, that a bash is more than a Simon Says. Simon Says is almost too nice. Yeah, and we're too upfront now, so <laughs> Very, yeah, we should properly be upfront. Exactly. When we're talking about the way CONCACAF handled their media at this event. Not not at all thrilled by it, but um, we don't want to spend too much time giving them more press than they deserve that, right now. I like that. Very well. Good. Good. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. But before we dive into more Gold Cup action in terms of Mexico and Cuba and TNT versus Guatemala, uh, we need to talk about the United States of America and the wonderful women that is the U.S. women's national team. I know this is supposed to be played later, but I'm going to play it now. I love it. Because we did. We did win. We did. And I was thankfully proven wrong. Yes. If you recall, I had uh, said that with the way they were playing before I left for my trip, yep. that I didn't see them winning the cup. I, I saw Germany going through. And I am happy to say I was proven wrong, and I had said then as well that if you guys prove me wrong, if you ladies prove me wrong, I will be thrilled to have you prove me wrong. And you did, and what an outstanding final that was, U.S. beating Japan 5-2. to two. There 5 was to 2 It almost seemed like a FIFA game, Simon. There was 4-0 before the 20th minute had even struck 20, for gosh sakes. And not to make this all about me, Baxter. Of course not. It's never always about you, Simon. <laughs> That's why we do the show together. I had inadvertently scheduled my flight home at the same time as the World Cup final. Why would you do that? I, because you assumed that the women would not make no, it. You no, have I wasn't, you no faith. I was not thinking ahead, that's why. Oh my but here's the cool thing. Yes. So I flew an airline that actually had the game as part of its uh, really? Wi-Fi deal. So okay. I got to watch the game flying home. Wow. I think I saw videos on Twitter of fans watching on airlines. So you must have been in them. Maybe you were in the video. I didn't know it. <laughs> Um, Actually, I, I have to I have to say the stewardess as well. After they made the announcement that you have to uh, turn off your phones, yes, she walked by and and saw that my phone was still on. And instead of telling me to turn it off, she asked if she could see the score. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true U.S. fan. Through work, through the airlines, they wanted to know the score. But this this game as a whole, obviously, you need to talk about Carly Lloyd, someone that I spent a vast amount of time um, bashing. Leading up to, I would say, even the China game, I still wasn't completely sold on Carly Lloyd because she did not have a great first four games of the tournament. The group stage, she was non-existent. She had poor possession on the ball. She barely touched the ball. And then the change happened. 
you had Megan Rapino and Lauren Holiday get suspended for a game, which you could argue might have been the best thing to happen right. to this Blessing women's team. Blessing in disguise. You, you take away two dynamic midfielders and Lauren Holiday, who's retiring now from the women's national team, not completely from professional soccer for now. She's going to finish out the NWSL season with, mm-hmm. with uh, KC Sporting. No, not Sporting. Uh, uh, they're FC Kansas City. Kansas City FC, the KC, FC, FC, KFC. I don't know. <laughs> the team in Kansas City that has a women's team, she's going to go play for them this year. Okay. Um, <laughs> I should know this. FC Kansas City. That's what it is, I think. Anyway, <laughs> she's going to finish out the season with them, but she's done with international soccer. She said she's given 10 years of her life to the women's national team, and she now wants to devote her time to her family, which makes sense. And I feel like that's one thing casual goers of soccer forget about women soccer players is that they are women and they sometimes would like to have a family yes we saw that happen with shannon box where she took some pregnant time off you know a few years ago and had a beautiful baby girl and you know we've seen a lot of the other you saw at the end of the world cup too a lot of the the moms with their kids were embracing and you know heather o'reilly christine rampone they're all mothers so to get to see that aspect of it i'm sure that's what lauren holiday and we'll see alex morgan and Sidney larue eventually once they've played out a majority of their career head towards that direction, I'm sure. I'm sure as well. And, uh, you know, you don't see many male players do that. Uh, you see a few here <laughs> They're not the there. one that has to carry the child. Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say is, is for the, for the uh, woman who they can't play. I mean, that, that, that's putting the baby's life exactly. in danger. Um, so I have no problem when they want to take time away, just like I have no problem when somebody who's dealing with a mental issue exactly. <laughs> needs to take some time away. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. And I, I, I love the fact that it shows people priorities. Yes. You know, you can be the greatest player in the world, but, man, family, at least for our money, it's always one of the things first. that always comes always, before you. No matter what your career is. Exactly. It's got to come first. Exactly. Now, if I had an opportunity to call the FIFA World Cup final and my wife is in the hospital getting, you know, delivering a baby, eh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would be at the hospital. I'm not that heartless. I promise as much as I love soccer or football, depending on where you are. Yes. Uh, but this USA-Japan game as a whole, Simon, a lot of positive takeaways, a lot of dynamic play from the United States. And we were wondering, too, we were talking about this on the drive down, how England – made Japan not look as good as we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. England obviously losing on that heartbreak own goal in the 92nd oh. minute. Something that will live in infamy in England's soccer history. And I, I feel awful. I feel awful for the player that had it happen to her. I feel bad for England as a whole. But England really proved that Japan was not as good as I feel most thought they were. They sure did. And, I, and when it's all said and done, you know, England goes and beats Germany in the third place game. If England finally wins on July 4th. Um <laughs> But they go out and beat a, a good German team. Yeah. So, so it makes you it wonder. It took them extra time, but they managed to get sure. the victory. But it makes you wonder, would England have given the U.S. a better I, game? I think they would have, personally. I was an all in favor of a United States-England final. I think it been, that would have been really cool. There's numerous different storylines you could have pulled Absolutely, from that. Revolutionary yes, War. Yes, and right. Obviously, they didn't have a chance because it was right after the 4th of July. Like They had the odds going against them. Sure. One of the things, though, that makes me really just scratch my head and wonder why these people are even alive is those that were on Twitter during the USA-Japan game comparing the game to Pearl Harbor. Uh, and they're like, this yeah, is payback yeah. for Pearl Harbor. I'm like, no. No. No, it's payback Thousands for the Thousands of people lost their lives. Yes. Yes. Uh, and a, a 5-2 soccer game does not make up for the people that died. So thank well, you, but no. Right, exactly. Let's, again, 
priority, perspective, it's all important. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a game when it gets down to exactly. it. Yes, it's awesome. It's awesome seeing these women win, but this is, this is this wasn't revenge against uh, the the Japanese for Pearl Harbor. No. This was, this was payback for the 2011 exactly. World Cup final. Exactly. You know, 2012 a year later after that loss, the US goes and beats Japan for the gold medal. But not it's, as much it's, of a, a it's value. not as prestigious right as a world cup mm-hmm. win you know but once again carly lloyd you know they the japan's head coach even said after the game she said she always does this to us we're a bit embarrassed she's an <laughs> excellent player i really respect and admire her so. you have to you absolutely have to jill ellis making that smart decision by having morgan bryan come into the midfield play more of a holding midfielder and saying carly look you're a natural-born goal scorer. We know that you can score goals. Go play up top with Alex Morgan and the offense and do what you do best. And she basically you know, took the leash off of Carly Lloyd in the, semi- in the final and said, go. Go, right. And she did. Right. Yeah, there's something to be said for having too many dynamic players in that midfield playing together. Yes. You're getting in each other's way. You're not, you're not playing like you can with a, uh, like you said, having more of a defensive midfield playing behind you. Allow it's again very similar to what Michael Bradley struggles with with Jermaine Jones at times is who's going to go and who's going to stay back. In this case, it was very clear that Lloyd was was the reins were dropped and and uh, she was allowed to go and and do what she does best and ends up scoring a hat trick first time in women's World Cup final history. Ends up scoring the one of the fastest goals in World yeah. Cup history in the finals. What did you think of the midfield goal? I thought it was awesome. Well, I mean. <laughs> I, it, what it showed is her awareness on that field. Yes. And even if she had missed, still. You go for that. You're 54 yards out. You notice the goalkeeper horribly off her line. You're playing on artificial turf, so you're going to get that. You're going to get a massive, uh, you're gonna get a massive crazy bounce, bounce, first yep. of all. But you also have the one thing I like about playing on turf, which is not much. The one thing I like about is that you, have, you don't have to worry about the grass getting in your way in terms of when you strike the ball. It's basically kicking a ball off of carpet. Yes, right. It has no friction. No matter how advanced artificial turf has gotten, it's still artificial turf. Exactly. And that's my one thing I like about kicking a ball on turf is that I don't have to worry about, you know, dragging my foot through five inches of grass and having it slow down my shot or the pass. And, yes, it's a faster game. But I think the fact that the tournament was played on turf allowed the women to play at a faster tempo. That's why England and France excelled. And that's why Nigeria was able to almost beat Sweden right? as well. It's because right. Nigeria right. was like, hey, we're actually pretty darn fast. And they almost beat Sweden, which I thought would have been a fantastic bit for the, the team as a whole. Nigeria, you could argue, was one of those teams that didn't get a lot of press throughout mm-hmm. the t- mm-hmm. tournament. But in their first tournament as a whole, they definitely made a lot of positive uh, you know, jumps forward in yeah, the game. Absolutely. Now let's not forget too though that Tobin Heath's goal actually I think played a bigger role in this game than people are making it out to yes, be. Yes. You agree. know, Japan had two goals in a row. Of course one was an own goal from Johnston. Yes. You know, doing a uh, just not thinking but as you said before the show too, she's young, she's learning. Yes. I mean the overall the, the, that back We've got four her for was at amazing. least two more World Cups, right, and the right. US is going to be forever blessed because of that. Right. But Tobin Heath's goal stopped that flow of goals from um, from Japan. Yes, you know she put in that. It was it was four nothing at half. Goes to four two, and you're starting to think, ah, Japan's making a game out of this. We've seen teams come back from yes. four goal deficits. Before. It was four one, wasn't it? Four one. Yeah. No, four. I thought it was four one. No, it was four zero after twenty minutes. I thought it was four one at half. I could be wrong, but I thought that's what it you, was. Yeah, you're, you know what I think. I think you're right. Um, We're checking on this, folks. 
Oh, Astros. go back up again. Go back no. up on your computer. I saw the, the, the times of the goals. Go go up. up. Yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Up. Keep going. People are like, what are they doing? Yeah, this there's one. 27th yeah, sorry, minute. 27th minute. Yep. Right. Okay, but then Johnston gets that own goal in the 52nd minute. So there's still plenty of time to play. Of course. And and, and Japan at that point, I know what my point was. Japan at that point was really starting to control the game a bit. Yes. They were, they, you know, U.S. was hanging back. So that Tobin Heath goal stopped that momentum that it looked like Japan was really starting mm-hmm. to gain. So, you know, kudos to Tobin Heath for, for stopping that flow. I do. That, really that was, the the, like you said, the official nail in the coffin, as it were. But you look at Japan, and Japan is the one team that out of any team in the wide world of women's soccer that you could be up 10-0 on at halftime, and I would still be scared that they would come back and win. And I was watching the game with my wife and with other friends, and they were like, yeah, we're up 4-1, we're up 4-1 and a half. And I'm like, this game is far from over Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I know how Japan plays the game. It's like watching a Timbers game against Seattle. It's not over until that whistle blows. Exactly, and that was my thought the entire second half. And when they got that second goal and it was 4-2, I'm like, this game is wide open. Now, yes, it's a two-goal lead, but still, the Japan... You know, attack had been starting to finally find that fluidity that they were missing during the first half, and it was pressing and pressing and pressing. And Hope Solo definitely made her money's worth and earned her a Golden Glove award she did. in that final. She did, yeah, she did. I, you know, I've got my own personal problems with her personal life. Yes, but as most people on, do. On the field, it was it was fantastic. It was. You know, it's, this was so in in '91 was the first Women's World Cup. They obviously they took care of business there. The U.S. Yep. Uh, this was a first in sorts as well, in that this tournament had expanded from 16 to 24 teams. Mm-hmm. So once again, the record setter Americans come out and and grab the first trophy at this expanded World Cup. Yes. And just the whole cup itself. It really has shown how far women's soccer has come worldwide. Yes. You know, we've talked about this on the show before how. There used to be those two or three teams. You know, in the early years, uh, early 90s, it was U.S., Norway. Um, then we saw Sweden actually start to improve. And then, of course, Germany came on big time. And yep. then we've seen it improve in Asia. But now we're seeing, Canada. as you're talking about, yes, Canada has been fantastic. But now we see England reach third place. Cameroon advanced to the round of 16. Yep. France uh, had, a good, had a great uh, showing this year as well. Right. Um, and then, obviously, the experiment is still working out. Coast, Ivory Coast, they get blown out by Germany, scoring, having 10 goals scored against them. Obviously, it's their first World Cup. They're on a completely different level than yes. Germany. It's yes. not even – it's hard to judge Ivory Coast in terms of how poorly they played because it was their first World Cup. It was either going to be hit or miss in that regards. Um, but you need to make mention of Australia, who – was my dark horse pick in the tournament because I thought that after they finished in second place in Group D, that there was a good chance that they could make a deep run. Yeah, I mean, that game against the U.S. was fantastic. Yes. I know they ended up losing. It but was 3-1, right. but... For the majority of that game, yeah. they, they, were, they were on top of the U.S. I absolutely agree. And then they go out in the round of 16 and beat Brazil and right. completely shock pretty much every soccer expert out there and saying, oh, Brazil's going to take this game. But Brazil had had a kind of a shaky group stage as well they did well um they won all three of their games but look at their group uh the korea republic so south korea costa rica and spain mm-hmm. spain and costa rica not traditionally very good right. women's soccer right. south korea they're not too bad uh, those asian uh, china japan south korea north korea all four of those are relatively good women's soccer programs 
But even still, Brazil getting four total goals, not allowing a single goal in the group stage, and then the one goal they allow the entire World Cup is the one that sends them home. That's right. That's right. It's weird how things like that work. No, but what's cool to see is is at least each region seems to have one, maybe two yes. really good teams now that, that are contenders. I mean, yep. That's really the first time that I remember in a Women's World Cup where we got to see that. And it, it was helpful to, for the growth of the game because, like you said, there were good teams in each division, I guess, each group in different parts of the world. So now going forward, France and England are going to spearhead that, and France, England, and Germany are going to spearhead that European attack mixed in with Sweden a little bit as well, because Sweden obviously is just traditionally good. Then you see a good showing from the Netherlands as well. They surprised Mm -hmm. a lot of people in terms of how well they played. And then obviously looking to Asia, Japan, China, South Korea, North Korea, those four are always going to play well. Australia, I felt, turned some some heads as well. Um, Nigeria didn't get the credit that they deserved, I felt. Um, yes, they go 0-1-2 and 2 during their time in the tournament, only managed one point because of that draw. But I also think that if they would have played every game in the group stage like they played against Sweden in that opening game, I think it would have completely changed the ebb and flow of the group of death, as it were. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is is the one region that really doesn't seem to have more than one strong team is South America. Yeah. You got Brazil. Yeah, Ecuador was in there. Colombia was in there. They're pretty Ecuador much finished afterthoughts. bottom of their group. Right. Colombia and made it to the second third. round. Did they? Ecuador didn't get a single point. Um, where is Colombia finished with four points. They were one of the third place teams oh, that's that made right, it through. That's right. Lost yeah. 2-0 to the United States in the group oh, round, of course in the round so. of 16. But Colombia put up a physical, technical fight. They and did. Made the they U.S.'s did. life very difficult that all was, match long. And and that also though was, I mean, I was still not a fan of how the U.S. was playing. It just seemed no. way too conservative for a Jill Ellis side to play that way. Exactly, and that makes you question how good of a coach Jill Ellis is. Obviously, her stepping in as the first year coach. Yes, she's been the director for soccer for U.S. soccer for many years. She was an assistant too. Yes, uh, she's had her she's had her time, but this was the first real test to see just how good Jill Ellis is mm-hmm. as a coach. Which leads us nicely into our 50-50 segment, um, as we want to talk about how uh, we were talking about on the on the drive down here. I mentioned you said, "Hey, did you hear that Costa Rica's head coach, the men's coach, is now the coach of Honduras?" And you said, "Oh, no, I hadn't heard that." And you mentioned that he felt that he is that the men's coaches, especially, are good for a cycle. You mm-hmm. go through the World mm-hmm. Cup cycle once for the team, win or lose, usually lose, you move on. Vincent Del Bosque for Spain, one of the few. Uh, Carlo Angelotti for Italy. He's been around for a little while as well. Low for Germany. Yeah, Jorge yeah. Low. I mean, there's a few exceptions mm-hmm. that win or mm-hmm. lose, you still stay around. But you brought the, up the point of whether or not Jill Ellis should stick around for another in terms of another cycle. Another cycle. Right. Yes, the Olympics are next summer. The Summer Olympics mm-hmm. are next summer. Maybe she finishes out the Summer Olympics and then goes back into more of an administrative role. So... What we're debating tonight for our 50-50 segment, uh, we each get 45 seconds to voice our opinion about a topic. 45 and 45 equals 90, a full soccer match. We will only do seconds, not minutes, because nobody got time for a full 90 minutes. Ain't nobody got time for that. Not at all. So uh, Simon and I will each take a side. And remember, let us know your thoughts about it. Uh, You can hit us up on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. We love hearing from you. We love hearing the feedback about if you think either Simon or I had the better argument or just your opinion about the argument as a whole. So to reiterate the question, Simon, it is should Jill Ellis 
stay on for another World Cup cycle. Am I am I understanding that's, that that's correctly? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll go first today. You went, you went first last time. Yes, I did. All right. On your mark, get set. Simple answer is no. I say play through the Olympics, see what happens either way, then step down. Now, I will say in the women's game it's a little different because you do have the World Cup and then you have the Olympics, so it's a little different than the men's game. But by principle, I think you do a cycle and you step away from it. There's been few exceptions, but a lot of the times when that second cycle comes around, either the coach is worn out, it doesn't have new ideas, or she doesn't have new ideas. We saw that with Bruce Serena. We saw that with Sven Eriksson with England. And I've seen a number of coaches step down after four years simply because they've said straight out that it's time to step down. So I think just on principle, Jill Ellis has done a magnificent job. So this is not to say she's done bad, but it's four years. Time's step up. aside. All right. So you're up now, of course, uh, in the 50 50 segment. We switch it up. Indeed. So you get to say the other side. I do. You all set? I believe so. Here we go. Well, uh, obviously you were the negative side of it, so I'm going to be positive. I feel like the fact that Jill Ellis won a Women's World Cup in her first season or her first year as a head coach of the national team speaks volumes of how good of a coach she is. And now that she's figured out, okay, this is how do I can win a championship with the players that I have, and she's able to overcome adversities like losing Holiday and Rapino, and figure out that Morgan Bryan will be a helpful player to have in the midfield as well, she has all the tools to not only win the Olympics next year, but also continue the cycle and stay on for at least another World Cup cycle. Whether or not the U.S. ends up winning, it's going to be hard to bet against them in the next coming World Cup, especially when they retain all their attacking options. She's got all the right pieces. She deserves to be around for at least one more cycle. All right. Yeah, you know, part of me wonders just, you know, we've, we've talked about how, how bad they were playing until yes. that semifinal. Yep. And that's also what makes me question is should she stay on? I almost feel like she got a bit lucky. She did. That she had to put these players in there and went, oh, that hey, works. that works. But now she knows. But what happens when those players don't produce? We have a lot of depth. The U.S. has a <laughs> yes, stupid amount but she of depth. But she wasn't tapping into it That's until true. she had to. That's true. Trial so by just, fire. Just makes me just makes me question. Fair Anyways, enough. we got to go to break. We will. We're going to go to a break. <laughs> when we come back, a lot more fun things to talk about. Going to recap the Gold Cup as from uh, live here in Chicago, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Guatemala, and Mexico, Cuba. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. This is Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. We are broadcasting live from Chicago, Chicago, Soldier Illinois. Soldier Field. From Soldier Field. Home of the Bears. The Bears. 
You can still hear Ditka yelling on the sidelines there at the beer players. <laughs> For those of you that have no idea what we're talking about, we're talking about the great coach. Um, Ditka. Ditka. What a guy. For the Bears. For those of you that follow the NFL, you get the joke. If not, well, sorry. <laughs> Did you ever see the soccer movie that he's in with Will Ferrell? Uh, I have not. Kicking and screaming? I've seen snippets of it, but I've never seen the full movie. First time I watched the movie, I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> but it was one of those that after I watched it and thought about it, it got more funny. And then when I watched it the second time, just, just loved, loved it. Loved it. Loved, loved every it. moment yep. of it. Well, we are loving every moment of our time down here in Chicago. We well, have- not every moment. <laughs> Oh, really? Since, since we got in the stadium, Since we got in the it. stadium, which is literally in front of us, I can see Soldier Field through the press box windows. It is very well done. Um, the field, we were commenting on how nice the field looks, Simon. It's beautiful. Um, I in mean, terms it's of well taken care of. You were, it, it surprises you. you. You know, It takes a pounding during the NFL season, and then they're able to upkeep it nicely. And, yes, there's, still, there's a few patchy spots, but it's, it looks like a beautiful pitch from where we sit. And... They did a fantastic job making this feel like a very big soccer-specific stadium. There were 54,000 people on hand tonight for this game. So yeah, for yeah Mexi- 54,000 plus. Between the two games. Right, right. But most people were here for the second game, and that's unfortunate because the first game, as we were listening to it on our way down, we had expected to be here a lot earlier. That's at least the first 25 minutes, that sounded like the U.S. women's national team playing. It did. Trinidad and Tobago putting in... Three goals in the first, I think it was, 25 minutes. Yes. They found their rhythm early, not from their main goal scorer. Uh, their only Trinidad and Tobago player to ever score in Gold Cup, uh, Kenway Jones, did not register a goal tonight. Thankfully, for I feel like, yes, you want your star to get the goals, but when you can have three other players show up and score goals, Simon... It speaks volumes of how much Trinidad is growing and how much of a danger they can be. Absolutely. You know, I, I remember when they uh, qualified for their first World Cup back in 2006. Two? 2006. Was it? Two? Yes, it had to I'm be 2006. Out. I was I'm down just in Austin. throwing out even numbers, yes, so yes. I don't know. And also cool that there were uh, a number of MLS players represented. Um, for, uh, for Trinidad, you had Cato, Jones, and George out there. And then for Guatemala, of course, you had Marco Papa, yep. Moises Hernandez, and uh, the old Elas legend. Vasquez. The yes. legend, Carlos yeah. Ruiz. Ruiz, yes. We were the listening to the radio on the way down, and I'm like, he's still playing. He's still playing. And he scored a goal tonight. He did. He scored Guatemala's goal in the second half. So, mm. yeah, good, good representation from MLS this evening out there. It was. It absolutely was, and I think something that TNT can use to fuel their drive forward. They're going to obviously have to take on Mexico. They're going to obviously have to take on Cuba. I'm not really worried about TNT Cuba. I feel like we'll see a pretty similar explosion to take to borrow the TNT reference. I thought that. Right. You know, <laughs> I thought it was clever. Well, they've uh, they've obviously. I mean, literally, but also um, mentally, have positioned themselves to be the second-place team in this group. But I'm I'm excited to see this Mexico-TNT game. I might have to find a time to actually watch that game because I feel like the chance of an upset would come from TNT beating Mexico. Like, they have the offensive power to do it. And one of the tweets I sent out tonight, I was like, I think Mexico is one of the better teams in this tournament, but I'm excited to see them play a real team. A real team. I mean, Cuba had... 16 players here, so they only had five subs. Their yes. head coach didn't make it over. One nope. of their better players didn't make it nope. over. So this, I think it's very legitimate to say, yes, we, we don't really know what Mexico is all about because 
they basically played an amateur side tonight. Yeah, I feel like a USL pro team or even an NASL team might have put up a little bit more of a fight than what we saw tonight. from You Cuba. know, and, and it's Cuba's keeper was actually outstanding. He, he did. He, he played it, very well. He did not let in six goals. That defense let in. Maybe he let in one. That defense definitely let in five. Yes. I mean, he had a number of fantastic saves, even against his own players at one point. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to make saves against the other team and your own team, you're definitely uh, in trouble. But if you can make saves on both accords, you're definitely showing up in good numbers as well. Now, um, looking at Mexico, looking at Cuba and everybody else uh, that was here, uh, it definitely is good to get a different perspective than from us as a whole. So we uh, ran into a good friend tonight as we were here at the stadium. We ran into one of our friends at Vavil USA, uh, Mr. Afshin. Uh, I never know how to pronounce his last name. Zahari. So Afshin Zahari was doing a, a live, uh, basically, commentary on Vavil USA for... Uh, the Mexico-Cuba game, so he's now here in the studio with us, so okay. uh, welcome. How you doing Hi tonight, guys. sir? How's it going? Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, yeah, appreciate it. Uh, I know you guys are two up front. Hopefully we can go to a 4-3-3 for a minute here. <laughs> we can just uh, the can three just up front. On for a second, well, Simon, so. Simon stepped out for a moment, so you can Sounds you can take over. So Simon's only good. good for about 60, 65 minutes, and then he needs to, <laughs> to sub up. He's pouting on the bench. He's pouting on the bench. Yeah, he he, he tweaked an ankle. He's, he's done. Done for the year. <laughs> Um, but you had the Super opportunity sub. to be here for both games. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. You were smart. You live literally two minutes from the stadium. Yeah, it's a nice walk. I mean, uh, everyone had to get parking passes and stuff, and I just you know walked over a bridge and, and, and went to gate one, said, give me my credential. <laughs> came straight here, so it was pretty That's easy. That's life. Yeah, a little, bit of, to... a little bit of sweating because I was wearing the suit, which was a bit of a mistake, but fair yeah. play. Fair play. It was of good, course. It was a good, good time. But I, but I heard you guys actually talking a bit as I, as I came in from the, the press conference, which, by the way, uh, was pretty much all in Spanish. I was so going to say, was how was your Spanish? Did you have Google Translate <laughs> I, you up know, on your phone? Or? I just videotaped it, and I'm praying someone can translate it for me tonight because I thought they'd have an English translator, but it didn't work out. Mm, so I was like, you no. know, i got to get up and get on this show. And uh, I saw you guys talking about, uh, you know, Cuba would have some trouble against some NASL, mm-hmm. USL sites. As a matter of fact, uh, just a couple weeks ago, they hosted the New York Cosmos and lost to them 4-1. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so that's a very good point you there guys we brought go. up. It was a, I mean, it was a friendly match, but it was, and it's trying to open up borders. Of course, of course, Cuba, yeah. But, well, that's but, interesting, yeah. too, because now I know Cuba doesn't have an NASL team, but Puerto Rico has the Puerto Rico Islanders now. Yeah. They're an NASL team, the first uh, international, I guess, yeah. NASL team. So it's still part of the United States, Very technically. good point. Opening yeah. up 51st state, question mark. Maybe. So. They've been pushing for that for years. I think yeah. they just need to merge the Dakotas and just call it a day, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm tired of North and South Dakota. It's a bunch of land it's for a oil. A bunch of states up there that I don't you know, exactly. really pay far too much attention to. <laughs> it was, yes, yeah. The question was, yeah, question was if it was in Havana. And, yeah, it yeah. Was, uh, they were trying to have, like, a little nice friendly open up the borders a, a nice bit. Nice friendly. So and the Cosmos are like, nah, yeah. we're going to just beat you. <laughs> the Cosmos absolutely ruined it. The pitch was a bit, you know, dismantled. but uh, Makes sense. That's, that's what you'd expect. Uh, but, yeah, the, today they uh, – <laughs> you guys brought up some good points. The goalie not at fault at all. It was a, it's a tough match for them, especially having, you know, missing a bunch of guys and one guy running away and defecting, so – yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely was, made tough. life made life very difficult for Cuba as a whole. Now, uh, you were here for the first game. Give us some of your thoughts yes. on the explosive performance by TNT um, as they were uh, taking on Guatemala. We thought that Guatemala would be able to put up more of a fight than they did, especially with Marco Papa running around the midfield, a 
an MLS player that both of us know very well. You as a Chicago oh, Fire yeah. fan know him well. <laughs> yes. uh, myself as a Revolution fan. Simon sees him a lot more out in Cascadia because he's a Portland fan. There you go. Give us a little bit of your thoughts on the TNT uh, offense and this the game as a whole. I'll tell you what. I was very surprised uh, by TNT's work. I mean, I, I you know the friendly that Guatemala had with the U.S. We saw the uh, U.S. win that one 4-0, four, four and I thought, okay, we're really good because Guatemala has been decent in the past, but uh, Trinidad was very explosive today. Uh, Jovan Jones was very strong out of the midfield, and I know him personally as a as a fire fan. Um, not trying to be too much of a homer, he did win man of the match. Uh, but, I hope so, especially but yeah, for he, that hometown performance. He did he did fantastic, and I thought their forwards were way too powerful for the defense. Powerful and fast. When you talk about Kenwin Jones, uh, he can go up, get the ball, flick it on. Uh, they had good pace off the wings. It was, it was fantastic. And actually, they did a very good job, and I think they scoped in on Marco Papa because as soon as he touched the ball, I saw three or four TNT players just, you know, suffocate him, basically, and he had, he had nowhere to go. Uh, so the combination of that and, as I was saying, the speed and power of their front line, it's going to be a really good match against Mexico, I think, uh, as you guys mentioned when I was, when I was coming in. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, it took Guatemala a while to wake up. I think for about 65 minutes they sleepwalked through that match. And, uh, you know, they poured pressure on at the end, but it was too little too late. So. Yeah. No, and you mentioned the fact that Papa was very uh, isolated. And we were listening on the radio on the way in, and the mm-hmm. commentators were making comments about every time Papa touched the ball, there was two or three TNT defenders mm-hmm. immediately in his face, immediately you know, causing problems, and that was what they needed to do. And it's yeah. obvious that was a conversation that was had before the game by the TNT staff saying, all right, you've got to go after these guys. You've got to keep Papa, especially, who's a very good set-piece guy, but also a very good distributor as a whole, to oh, be yeah. able to shut him down, which obviously helped them go to a 3-1 victory. And Carlos Ruiz, the man that never dies, I swear. <laughs> I, I have feigned horrible memories of him in a Galaxy uniform ruining all my hopes and dreams as a Revolution <laughs> fan. Yes. We talked about that on the way down. We did. We talked about that. We, Simon was nice enough to reopen that massive wound and Oof. pour a big vat of salt Ouch. all over it. I'm like, why? Why do we talk about Brian Ching? Why do we talk about <laughs> Carlos Ruiz? I don't want to have anything to do with Dynamo or Galaxy people. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, it's, 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 sore. It, it's a sore seeing, subject. Seeing him was a bit surprising. I kind of thought he had maybe moved on i mean he seems like he's about 106 that's why i told simon uh, I'm like he's still playing he's like oh yeah i'm like where is he playing back i think he's playing back at home now i think he's back yeah, in guatemala yeah, I believe now. so yeah he's uh you know but he he looked like that scraggly self that you see and <laughs> and that face and, and scraggly i, love I, I it. always i always you know he was very dangerous but i always thought he whined a bit much uh yeah but no he was right. it was toned down today he was a bit of a threat he was a bit of a threat around the net there were a few times that Guatemala sent the ball in, and he was maybe a step slow getting to it sliding in. But, uh, but yeah, you're right, uh, absolutely about the, the, the shutting down Marco Papa. It seemed like there was no link between the defense and, and that forward line that includes Ruiz. So uh, hopefully they, they're going to have to try to get their points off Cuba and hope that their goal differential carries them through. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> Cuba, it's safe to say, will probably finish last in the group. I don't really feel like any oh, yeah, soccer, no. even... <laughs> connoisseur or even just a casual viewer would argue against Cuba winning a game. Even even if they get their, their five or six guys and Team Doctor, who I heard didn't make it to get their, yes. their visas, uh, <laughs> then... How long have they known about this tournament? How do you yeah, not get your visas in time? It, it doesn't make sense. And you, and you kind of feel bad for them, but 
Do you though? You can't. Yeah, you can't do, do you? this. The federate the players, not the oh, federation. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. The players, the players. Of you course, know, they you work their the tails off. You're looking at their bench, and you see three to four subs just sitting there. Reminded me of like, my man. old high school days. We had like five <laughs> subs if we were lucky. Yeah, it's like a Sunday league team that doesn't show up. Basically, so. half the bench is probably <laughs> drunk. Like that's yeah. just that's what you do in a Sunday hey. league. Now. Obviously, you were talking about the lack of communication between the midfields and the forwards for Guatemala. Mm-hmm. That was not the case with Mexico. Ooh, Mexico no was firing in all cylinders. We see a hat trick coming tonight from uh, Aribe Peralta, mm-hmm. a man of the match award, obviously, with a hat trick. Uh, a very complete performance from him. Mexico, I feel like at certain times, was really just turning it into a keep away oh, and yeah. score at the end. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, a few nice run of play goals. Giovanni Dos Santos with a beautiful 1v1 goal that he was able to slot home. Absolutely. How did this Mexico team assert themselves in terms of a threat within the Gold Cup? I'll tell you what, like you were saying, uh, there were moments in the match it looked like they were on the training ground just sort of passing it around and playing, but uh, it seemed like Cuba tried to play a high line against them, and against this team, you don't want to do it. They're so precise with their passing. Carlos Vela looked fantastic, I think, uh, not only beating players one-on-one, but finding the men, just chipping it over the the, the back line. Yep. So uh, I think he, he's someone that's scary. And even Giovanni Dos Santos, who didn't play the whole match, he no. came on. There was the Dos Santos substitution, as I as I claimed on the live, for uh, he came on for Jonathan Dos Santos. Yep. And, Brotherly and, love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? They're, they, they, I mean, they're full of attackers. Don't be, uh, you know, don't be fooled by Chicharito not being mm-hmm. able to play in these matches. They have plenty of attack. I thought their midfield bossed the game very well. Yes. Uh, you know, Herrera was fantastic. And I, here's what I think they did well. They they did a good job of working the ball kind of in the middle. And then and then once they got to about midfield, they opened it up. Uh, Layun was working the wings. Aguilar was working the wings. And that spread out that back four for Cuba. And the, and the middle was just wide open. And their defenders didn't really hold much of a chance. But yeah. When I was uh... – I had made the comment at one point to mm-hmm. Baxter, just just look at the difference in their shapes. Cuba was mm-hmm. all over the place, and there are many times in the first half where Cuba's shape was literally a circle with one guy in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yep. you know, and Mexico, they're keeping their. I mean, it, it what was cool to watch Mexico with their shape is it was it was actually very flexible. They were a four four two at times, mm-hmm. then they were a three five two at times. There was yes. one point where it was a, a two, like a, a two three six, whatever the numbers were, <laughs> a two three five. Yeah, it was, but but it was it was really. For any young players out there that want to say, what do they mean by keeping their shape? This is a perfect example of that. Oh, but yeah. also how you improvise within your shape as well. Yeah, yeah. No, Simon makes a, a fantastic point. I, you know, I agree. I think they're very disciplined. Despite you know having the big lead, they could have probably just gone out and had fun and done their thing. But they stuck to the game plan. Yep. And, uh, it was, it was, it was actually a treat to watch. It was, it was interesting. I didn't know how many goals they were going to eventually get up to. It was over under double digits there for a minute. But. Yeah, we were talking about that. Simon <laughs> made the prediction on the way. He was like, "I'd be shocked if it wasn't ten zero." We were on our, we were <laughs> yeah. on our way. It was, it should have been seven zero because the first Dos Santos goal that was called offsides was not. After right. seeing the video replay, I thought so too. Yes, he was at least two feet on sides after yeah. the video replays. Although it's funny because they didn't show it on the stadium boards because CONCACAF is not about that. They don't show <laughs> right. the controversial calls on the board, but you literally, you know, us in the press box, we pick our heads up, we look at the TV monitors, and mm-hmm. they show everything. And even on Twitter, they're like, it was a goal, it was a goal, it was right, a goal. Right, right. 
Actually, as a matter of fact, it took me about five minutes past the live to notice it wasn't actually called a goal because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, yep, that's good. I'm typing yep. it because there were some celebrations. I heard noise. And then later on when they actually scored another one, I'd originally typed it was 7 nothing, And then I looked at the board and I'm like, did I miss something? Six. So I had to look back and see what was going on. But I completely missed that they – it was it was completely onside yeah. to me. That's uh, You bring up a great point. You know, I always check the replay on these screens here, and, and they yeah. showed it. And, he was, and if you're Bruce Arena, too, sitting out in L.A., you have yeah. to be just like, you know, holding his folding his hands like an evil <laughs> taskmaster, <laughs> like, ha-ha, yes, Mr. Dos Santos, I like Excellent. your goals. Yes, <laughs> petting a cat, throwing darts at Landon Donovan's picture. Now it's Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. it's, it's encouraging because if Dos Santos does go to the Galaxy, which there's the big rumors that it will happen again, it's back mm-hmm. on, supposedly. Oh, yeah. Same with Chicharito to Orlando. Whether or not yeah. that actually happens has yet to be seen. But you talk about Dos Santos and his playmaking abilities. We saw that tonight. Mix that in with all the things that Galaxy have going forward, too, and that'd be a very dynamic midfield to try Oof. to stop. Oof, Especially with what. Stevie G showing up this <laughs> I'll year. I'll tell you too. what, that conference is is fun to watch. I mean, can we just can we just call the Western Conference the playoffs this year? And we just, might as you know, well. I, mean, I think I know. Said, I know you're a Revs fan. I'm a Fire fan. Let's just throw the send East DC out United year, as the one East yeah. team because yeah. they've earned it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then definitely. it'll all be West teams after that. Yeah. Pretty much Cascadia and the Galaxy. Just call it MLS Premier League and and MLS. <laughs> Second division. Yeah. yeah. We might, hey. At this point, we might as well because of how poor the East is playing. And there comes the pro-rel talk again. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, who was it? The USL pro filed for – or USL filed for second division status. Yeah. Oh, really? So, How's that? How, is I that haven't heard if it's been officially done or not process? yet. But I don't know if they officially applied, but they said they have the intention to do so. It makes sense, though. Because I'm they have so many affiliate happens. clubs with MLS teams, so why I, not? I have I don't know I don't know if it's been brought you know I have no problem with that. I think it's great. I think it's going to make owners want to try to win uh, and throw good teams. I, obviously, they can't do it now because of the single entity MLS. Yes. Uh, you know, but I think in the future it'd be nice. It'll it'll push owners to, to try to work harder. It would be better for the sport in the U.S. Better for our talent pool. Uh, scouting because I feel like you have the really good players on NASL and USL teams and undoubtedly Klinsman probably watches them. He's been, you know, he'd watched a bar of yep. Minnesota United, uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. He is now in club. Leon. I thought that was a tad ironic <laughs> where they were like, Oh, our big player is, you know, Ibarra. And then it was like, sold. Yep, I'm like gone. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but these kind of players, they can get promoted and, and, you know, we can see them in the spotlight a little more, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's for another day, I guess. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Afton, it's been great having yeah, you on the show. Thanks for having me. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. Always it great always running pleasure, into you guys sir. and seeing you here. Hey, I'm telling you, come down here. There's Giordano's right down there. Ooh, you know, I'll take Chicago you guys. Get some pizza. Good, it's on me. You know, we were, I'll get the You pizza, missed our, our Ditka stuff. stuff. We were talking about Ditka before on the uh-huh. show. We were because oh, we were like, we're in Chicago yes. at the Bears. And there you go. A lot of people probably didn't get the reference because of you know NFL and soccer and everything. But yeah. before we let you go, uh-huh. uh, where can people find you on Twitter and your writing, sir? Ah, good call. Uh, so people can find me at uh, Afshin Z nine five one A F S H I N Z nine five one. So that's my Twitter, and uh, I'm writing for Vavil USA. So. Uh, you log on there, and I write for uh, predominantly the Fire, uh, and I do a little work for Vavil UK too with Arsenal and, oh, and nice. Sunderland. Um, really? Yeah, they just got Sunderland. me into those offices. Yeah, Sunderland needed some people. I actually have a good buddy Maybe, that's yeah. a Sunderland fan, so I was like, hey, why not? Okay. Uh, secondary team, and I'm an I Arsenal know you, fan. I know you're an Arsenal yeah, fan, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, But then this being here, I was like, <laughs> I want to I wanna yeah. cover some of this, so 
Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of all over the place with that. But yeah, absolutely check it out. Awesome. So, uh, and I and I've listened to you know some of your work. It's it's great stuff. So I'll make sure that. I retweet that to my uh, <laughs> to my followers. I got a I got a Trinidadian. Is that the word for them? Yes. I think so. Okay, I got a Trinidadian DJ to follow me tonight. I guess he was watching my reading my live. So is. we'll get him to listen to your guys' show. Fantastic. We'll Send it to it the TNT folk. I <laughs> yeah, love it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for no having problem. me again. Thank and, you for and like I said, us. you guys are call me when you're in Chicago. We so. will. We definitely will. He's Afton of Vavil USA. Remember, check out his work on Vavil USA and follow him on Twitter as well. We are going to go to a break. Simon, when we come back, more fun things to talk about. Uh, we might have to be the ones that turn off the lights here at Soldier Field. They've already cut some of the stadium lights, but whatever. You know, we drove. it took us four hours to get here. An hour and a half four drive hours. took us four hours to get here. We are going to freaking we – will, we will lock down Soldier well, Field. Well, it took us three hours to get to Chicago. That's true. Then it took us an hour to get around the whole CONCACAF exactly. stuff. Ashwin, that was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's nice meeting you. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. But we're going to go to a break. Uh, when we come back, if you thought CONCACAF was corrupt, we're going to talk about the FIFA <laughs> rankings. They are out. <laughs> Wales breaking the top ten. So excited. Ryan Giggs is so proud. He is. We're going to talk about that and a lot more. This is Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Simon, we are live in Chicago, Illinois. We are broadcasting from Soldier Field, as you are listening to us here on Sports Radio America, sportsradioamerica.com, live 365, and tune in. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Up Front Soccer. Let us know your thoughts and feelings about if you're watching the CONCACAF Gold Cup, if you have thoughts and feelings about the U.S. Women's National Team winning the 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup and anything else we happen to talk about, or if you just have questions about us you know, in general. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Baxter Colburn, and I'm pretty sure you're at Simon Proven. That is it. I try pretty to keep easy. it simple for the public. I used to be like Backstar 20 or Bax Colbert. I used to be the weird, you know. Yeah, I learned a long time ago, just keep it simple. Yeah, it's, I'm trying. I learned that with my old age. It must be because I'm a married man now. You, you I've must have years been. years of, of knowledge. You must have been one of those kids that had a crazy, like, email account, too. <laughs> like, true dog Bax boy. I mean, I, I could tell you what my, uh, my high school email uh, was. I think you should. I should. I should. Yes, my my high school email was italianchico92 <laughs> at hotmail.com. Ashvin, I called it, see? Yep, <laughs> italianchico92 because I 
I'm, I'm half Italian, and I grew up um, with a lot of exchange students from Spain, and you know they would call me Chico because oh, I, okay. I was a boy, and okay. I was like, oh, Italian Chico, I'm born in 1992. Wow, that's wow. such a cool email. Yeah. And then my coworkers got a hold of it, and now they call me Chico. Well, office. I understood the Italian part. I thought the Chico thing was going to be it something about you having cheeks, so I'm glad it was not that. No, it's more Chico like a boy. So okay. Italian boy, 92. Is, okay. If okay. you cross language, translate, that's what it works out to. Speaking of Italian, they're ranked number 17th in the world right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the U.S., after very impressive wins, uh, dropped to 34th. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> not. But... You what know, the heck? Tunisia? I have had it. Absolutely had you're, it. You're going to make the argument that Tunisia should be below the U.S.? I or think that Tunisia should Scotland? host the next World Cup. <laughs> Tunisia has a fantastic program. I don't, know if they, if, I don't know if they have enough bribe money to host the next World well, Cup. Well, now that CONCACAF just named the Turks and Caicos uh, lady to be their new, like their voting, their voting bid, right. I'm waiting for Turks and Caicos to get the next World Cup. Well, they will, but that's it's got to happen in the fall time, I believe. In fall, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> it can't be winter or summer. Maybe spring. We could do a Maybe spring. spring. Like a, Maybe a March, spring. you know, like April. Maybe we could do April around Easter time. That would be nice, you know. Spring break. So here's, to me, actually, fine, you want to say the U.S. is is hampered by the fact that uh, UEFA's uh, qualifying's going on, that Copa America's going on. But then explain to me how Argentina loses to Chile and still gets bumped up to number one because, over Germany, because, over the World Cup winner. Because Messi, that's why. <laughs> because Messi. That's your answer. Messi, it is very messy. You're Messi, right. It is. <laughs> messy with an I and a Y and an IE and any other way you want to spell it, honestly. It's ridiculous. Argentina does not deserve to be number one, especially after losing to Chile. Messi's still in search of his first international title, which who knows if he'll ever get. He's lost every Copa America final he's ever played in. He's lost every World Cup he's ever played in. You know, we talked about on the way down, too, how for these rankings, each confederation has its own value placed on it. So that beating a UEFA team, even if it's San Marino, will get you more points in the rankings than beating Costa Rica or Mexico. That's who we should be scheduling friendlies against, not the number one in seven teams in the world. We should be playing San Marino. And look, I'm going to be the last person to defend Mexico, but ranked 40th in the world? No. Are you kidding me? No. Are you kidding me? Absolutely ridiculous. Tell me the top ten, please. The top ten. Here the listeners, the new FIFA World Cup rankings. So number one is Argentina. Number two is Germany. Are you going to do them all in the accent? I'm going to try to. Number three is Belgium. Uh, four is Colombia. Five is Netherlands. Six is Brazil. Portugal at seven. Romania at eight. England at nine. Good and Wales at number ten. I'm glad England finally bumped up the rankings because they've hit a bad slump. Um, and whether or not they confused this England with the women's national team. Oh, that could be it. That, Maybe yeah, that's that what it is. It. But um, I feel like some of the Lionesses could probably start for Roy Hodgson's side, honestly. Uh, by the way, Copa America winner Chile, number 11. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. Now, granted, I know those those Where's haven't Spain? been figured into these rankings yet. But Spain is number 12, okay, just below that's, Chile. That's fine. So. Now, I'm a little concerned why Austria's 15? What's up? With, oh, they're tied. They're tied on points. Slovakia and Austria are both fifteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're gonna, you can argue that they're better than Italy, right? You could definitely make a solid argument that they're. If we did a fifty-fifty segment on that, <laughs> no, I couldn't. you would take the <laughs> no, and you'd stick me with it and be like, "Test, tell them, tell them why." I, I just, I have so many issues, obviously, with FIFA as a whole. I have so many issues with these new FIFA rankings. Um, 
even looking at teams like Japan, uh, Peru, I don't know why Peru is so high up the rankings. Tunisia is 32nd. Uh, Ukraine is 27th. Iceland is at number 23. Uh, yeah, I, now, I, I, I think they. I, I think that, they've though. actually been doing well, I have to say. I think they've been doing well in they have, qualifying yeah. for UEFA, but... Uh, that one Iceland team that has the sweet team celebrations is really cool. That's to watch. Yes. They do like the yes. fish and the toilet <laughs> right. and the bike and I think somebody gave birth one time like it's it's a <laughs> bit much but it works. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh interesting developments. Yes. Bob Bradley takes the US team to the knockout rounds. Uh he had some sniffs with West Ham and Aston Villa. Yep. You're thinking Bruce Arena had a sniff with Tottenham back in the day. Yes. You're thinking these very successful American coaches would end up in the Premier League. Like Jay Heaps. Like Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Well, you you would think Bob Bradley or or, or Bruce Arena. Yeah. Right. You know that these – but I'm talking American coaches. Dominic Kinnear. Sure, sure. Um, You would think they're going to end up in the Premier League with the records they have. But turns out, Precky. Whoa. Going to Leicester City. Now, that's the rumor. But there is only one vacancy in the four leagues in England. There's only one vacancy. Which is surprising. uh, Although Liverpool might be looking for a new manager soon. Could be. That's the rumor that Brendan Rodgers is next on the chopping block out of all EPL coaches. Well, and I... I, You know what? We could go on a whole tangent on that, too. I'm not not a Liverpool man. I'm an Everton man. Uh, But let's be honest. That club has not given him much to work with, either. No. If anything, they're subtracting. But anyway, so Precky ends up being... Apparently the first American coach to coach Which in the Which is Premier funny League. because you'd think of the name Preki and it is the most non-American name you can ever think of. Right, and he's he's originally from Yugoslavia. Yes. Uh, and, you know, we were joking around on the way over. Perhaps that's what it was. Is Oh, he's not really American. So it's okay. Yeah. But, you know, we, he did play in the 98 World Cup for the U.S. He mm-hmm. scored that fantastic goal against Brazil back in the day where the U.S. beat Brazil. I believe it was in the 99 Gold Cup, and that's when Romario shook Casey Keller's hand and said afterwards in the presser that that was the best goalkeeping he'd ever seen in his life. Um, but Precky's been with Sacramento Republic. They've, they've, he's done a great job with yes. them. He had a couple of very nice years with Chivas USA. You just wouldn't expect him to go from a third division U.S. club to the Premier League. But there you go. I'm Best happy about luck. it. I'm Maybe cra- that'll open the door right. for more right. teams. Which is why I'm more, happy about it. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll see if he maybe tries to bring some MLS players over to help fill yeah, spots. Could be, could be. He doesn't have Juan Pablo on hell though playing up top for him anymore. Hey, you know, I I was that a big was fan. Classic. I was a big I fan loved of Juan. Him. I actually, I you know, he was he was on the field in the early years at least was a better DP than Beckham was. Yes, until Beckham really committed to the MLS. Mm-hmm. Juan Pablo and hell, he was a, he was a great spokesman for the league. He was a stand up guy and he was a great baller, man. Yes. He, between the time in New York and in Chivas, he was arguably my, one of my top five DPs to ever play. Yeah, he's very underrated. Not many people remember him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he was, he was a fantastic player. I so, agreed. Anyways, Precky to Leicester City. We'll see how that turns out. It's kind of tough that he's taken on a team mm-hmm. that fought regulation all the way through Christmas. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. see what happens. We're hoping that they can stay afloat, especially with the new coach. Now, um, an interesting development, uh, the Atlanta expansion franchise. We're kind of jumping all over the soccer world right now, but we want to hit on some prominent soccer news. But um, the Atlanta franchise coming up with a name. Is that what you call it? That's what they're calling That's it. That's what they're – Atlanta United FC. Or the Avengers. Or, or the Avengers with their – yes, with their, their logo. Their big A Avenger. Like, you look at the – okay, first of all, what, 
walk us through the video, Simon, because you did Well, a- first of all, this Atlanta franchise <laughs> is purely American, says the Englishman they hire for their <laughs> promo video. That... That alone kills any credibility in the video. Then you have the what looks like a upcoming Avengers movie trailer, basically in terms right. of like you know the big A, like with the silver and the this and the that. And here's my favorite part about that, right? Yes. Is the irony of this announcer saying, "We are about innovation." So that's why we're going to call ourselves the most generic name possible. Yes. Atlanta United FC. Yes. And use the colors that the other United team in the league. Already uses black and red. Fine, you're throwing gold in there. Good for you. What is innovative about that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The fact that they are going to be playing in a football soccer stadium is innovative. Innovative in the way that Seattle and Vancouver. And, no, uh, <laughs> no, come on. But Atlanta Stadium. We has, forgot about that part of it. Atlanta Stadium <laughs> has retractable seats, though, to make you closer to the pitch. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's you you think about the front office. They do this fan survey, and all these fans are asking for some really cool names. The Atlanta Blackhearts. That's now, awesome. Now black and red works with that, right? Atlanta Blackhearts. Black and red. Uh, you've got the Atlanta Terminus, the Atlanta Legion. You got fans saying these are the names we want, and so the front office turns around and says, "Well, we threw thirty-five names out there, and the ones who popped up the most were Atlanta." United FC. So that's what we're going to do. And you just think, were they were they trying to figure out how incredibly underwhelming they could be? Because yes. they, they succeeded in doing that. And then they come out with a logo that, that logo's not going to stick around. You know, logo's got to be something that, for a f- sports franchise, especially a soccer club, it's got to be something that can stay through time, you know, Absolutely. can withstand the test of time. Absolutely. And that logo is not going to stand the test of time. It nope. looks like a logo from 2015, and that's what it's going to look like mm-hmm. five years from now, 20 years from now, and they're going to have to change the thing. I think the right thing to do, and maybe this is their plan, is they come out with all this garbage to then turn around <laughs> and say, hey, if we listen to the fans, we're going to name the team this, and this is what our logo is going to look like. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, when Ludacris is at your name unveiling, that's true. That, yeah. that right there seals the deal for me. You know, when Houston first came up with their name, it was Houston 1836, and the Hispanic population was incredibly offended by that. Granted, everybody's offended by something in the U.S. these days, but they were offended by that. So Houston did the right thing. They changed their name to the Houston Dynamo, which yeah. actually played on their soccer history because there was a Houston Dynamos back in the old American mm-hmm. soccer league. Kind of like the Seattle Sounders back in the day. Right, too. right. So, um, and by the way, the 1836 thing dealt with, that was, that was when Texas... Not the Alamo? Uh, that was the Alamo. Remember um, the Alamo! So it was remember the Alamo, but it was also, it was also when Houston was founded. So okay. the Hispanics took that as a slight to their heritage, which... I. I don't I get see any that. British fans yelling about the revolution, the New England Revolution. Right, right. Get over it. Chicago Fire, people died. They did die nobody's, in the fire. Nobody's and it was a cow it. that started that fire. Yeah. You know, nobody's cows, upset about the fire's name, though. got to be so offended. Though, right? The cow population as a whole is probably horrifically offended because of the Chicago Fire right, name. Right, Gives cows a bad name everywhere. Bad. But anyways, so Atlanta... Now, you did make an interesting comment. I did. That I think would be yes. quite swell. It, it ties into the other piece of news that Landon Donovan will be coaching the Chipotle homegrown game. Uh, he'll be coaching the MLS up-and-comers, the homegrown players. Right. They're playing against the uh, U-20 reserve team. Not reserve team, but the U-20 team from uh, Club America. Yes, which should be an interesting match. Yeah, and I think it's cool that you know they've been, they've been, uh, they've been doing the All-Star game against 
foreign opponents for a mm-hmm. quite a few years now. I think it's cool that they're going to do that with the homegrown yes. game as well. It gives you a good opportunity to see. And some players will play both. Yes. We saw DeAndre yes. Edlin play both last year. We saw was it Harry Ship and Zardis, I think, both made it as well. I can't Ship remember. Ship did, and I think Zardis did. But either way, DeAndre Edlin for sure made both. Right. So, um, so, so Donovan is coaching yes. the homegrown MLS team. Yep. And you made an inter- interesting – you were joking around, and then I went, wait a second. <laughs> because Carlos Bocanegra is – I think he's the technical director for yep. Atlanta. Him and Donovan are good, fan, are good, good friends. Mm-hmm. And you had made the comment, wouldn't it be something if Donovan coached Atlanta? I'm thinking who knows how good of a coach he's going to be. But, but what a way still, to sell tickets. You want to put butts in seats, there it is. Now, there's, that's, that, that goes back to the whole disappointment. They've sold 21,000 season tickets. Why aren't you listening to your fans? Yeah. New York has sold 17. 17,000. 17, that's yeah. it. And they're midway through the season. Yeah, that's true. That's still, that's still impressive, though. It 17, is. 17,000 season tickets. I mean, again, for I'm, Yankee State, I'm, for considering the venue, they can't put right. a ton in. And I'm looking at this from the perspective of a, of a guy who's you know, started playing soccer in the 80s. Yes. It still blows my mind that we live in a day and age where there are 17,000 season tickets being sold. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have 21,000 season tickets sold for a franchise is important. It makes the fact that the fans care about this movement, and it's something, like you said, their opinions need to be valued. And they're not being. Sure, the fans are behind it like, we have a team. Sacramento, San Antonio, St. Louis, Louisville, Charleston. Like, these, there's at least five to ten cities that want an MLS team that would come up with miles better of a name. Even Sacramento Republic FC, I would take that over Atlanta United. Right, and then, of course, you're going to have Minnesota United in the league. Yes. But that's a legitimate name. They're yes. coming into the league with that name already, and, and there is some history to that name in that United Healthcare, the insurance company, actually invested in that Minnesota franchise, which is where they got the United name from. So mm-hmm. at least there's some reasoning behind that. And, of course, they'll be known and more as the Loons, but you're going to have three teams in this league with United behind their name. D.C. I get. I thought it was actually pretty clever. That Some people thought sense. it was cheesy. I thought it was no, pretty it clever makes, that your D.C. franchise is united. Um, Minnesota makes sense to me as well, and they'll probably be in separate divisions, um, separate conferences. Minnesota and Atlanta? No, Minnesota and D.C., which is what I'm saying. That would have been fine with me to have in the West a United team and in the East a United team. But now you've got Atlanta that's going to be in the East. So in the East, you're going to have two United teams, and their primary colors are black and yeah. red. Yeah. I wonder what their second and third jerseys are going to look like. Yeah. I'll be curious doesn't to matter. see that. It really doesn't. I mean, it'll be, I'll be curious if Minnesota gets pushed to the West. I don't feel like they would. They're West of the Mississippi. And I most guess. leagues, most leagues put those teams in the West. Huh. Yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I, could, I definitely could see that, but, I mean, we'll see. It all we'll, kind of, we'll see, yeah. 28, 18. Of course, the 17. one reason to keep them in the East is you have that rivalry with Chicago. Which would be huge. And mm-hmm. Chicago, and Chicago, Columbus has never really panned out. No. Um, so I think having a Minnesota, you know, Chicago rivalry right. would be big. And maybe you could get a, a try, you know. You have the sure. Cascadia region. Sure. Maybe you can get the Midwestern region. You can yeah. get Columbus and Chicago and Minnesota. But don't forget, don't forget Kansas City's in there, too. Yes, but they're know. a Western Conference team now, right. so people have kind of forgot about that. Well, so. uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. Because Columbus and Toronto, they have they – have they have a true blood rivalry. Their yes. fans hate each other. They really do. It's funny. It's awesome, but it's funny. 
So, I mean, it really kind of depends on how you want to look at it. And we'll see what happens once, you know, the teams officially become declared. And maybe Miami will get a team with David Beckham. LAFC comes around, too. Um, maybe Sacramento finally gets a team. Yeah. Don, um, Don Garber says that he wants to add, was it twenty? Was it 24 teams by 2020 is what he wants, and he's at with all the new franchises. I think he's 23. at. He's at 23, so 23. he's got one more spot. He's got one more spot, and he's come out recently and said as well that, that there's 24 is not the max. He already knows they'll be going past that, which I know you're not a fan of. but Well, yes and no. I mean, as long as they don't have, you know, three-fourths of the teams make the playoffs. Right, yes. And I, we, we are in total agreement on that. Or I, put it into divisions like football. It's I ridiculous like, right now. I like now. the way that the NFL does it. See, I don't like the idea of four teams in a division. Yeah, yeah, not for soccer. I, I Almost Ultimately, like players, I, I want it to be a straight table. You know, I don't really care about the pro promotion relegation yeah, thing. Yeah, a straight Let's, table. I, I love the, the idea of a straight and table. And then the top, whatever, teams make the playoffs? Yeah. So straight, so, straight table, top, whatever. Yeah. I... I if, if you're at, if, if you're 24, at 24 teams, I'd, I'd still, I still love the idea of eight teams making yeah. it, you know. Uh, but that really gives credence to a Supporter Shield winner. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't really be the true regular season champion of a league if you're not playing each team exactly. evenly. And that's why you so. see teams like Seattle last year go for the treble and not make it, obviously. Right, yeah. Hmm. But before all that expansion happens, we got some exciting stuff happening soon in MLS. We won't spend much time on this because everybody knows it, but we got Lampard coming in. We got Gerard coming in. Pirlo is coming soon. And there's some waves out there. Dos Santos, Chicharito possibly. I don't know if that Chicharito thing is going to be on anymore with his injury, though. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, But we got exciting times coming ahead. We'll see if these guys can buck the trend of these midseason acquisitions always tending to fail a bit in their first half season of MLS, needing may- maybe that rest. But uh, but L.A. They're going to N- be fun. NYCFC. Let's uh, do it. We, we may I might see need to that get a take shirt. off. Yeah. And, of course, Kreese is adding some – or Kreiss, rather, Jason Kreiss, adding some defenders as well to New York. This could be a different team in the second half of the season. Agreed. I absolutely agree. All right, well, we're going to go to one more break. When we come back, we're going to offer our I Believe segments and throw out any other random comments we feel like as well. We're almost done with the show. We are broadcasting live from Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois, at the 2015 CONCACAF Gold Cup. Group stages, Mexico takes out Cuba 6-0, and Trinidad-Tobago go 3-1 on Guatemala. This is Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. And we are broadcasting live from the press box at historic Soldier Field in downtown Chicago. We were in town this evening catching the 2015 CONCACAF Group C Gold Cup matches. We saw Cuba fall victim to a Mexico barrage attack, to borrow the German Blitzkrieg. Is really yes, what it came down to. Yes, it was. They fall 6-0. Though it was interesting at times, I think they got caught up in the idea that they were playing in an American football stadium because they certain, certainly looked to be looking for more field goals than soccer goals at a few points in the game, Mexico that is. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I struggled with that too um, in terms of when I played high school because high school football is a fall sport and high school soccer is a winter sport in Florida. So oh, okay. uh, I would be the kicker for high school. In, in fall, and then I would transition over to soccer. And my first week or two of training, I would could I could bomb you know sixty yard field goals with a soccer ball, but I couldn't put it on frame from three yards. <laughs> so it was a little difficult in that regards. But we want to touch briefly on your time in Portland. Sure. You had a chance to go to a Timbers game and watch them take on the Dynamo, and then uh, we're going to be headed out for the night because they want to close up shop and They're we want to get home. us out of here. So. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we will finish this up briefly fast. So talk about Portland real quick before we got to go. Well, we're getting kicked out of here. It was awesome. It, it was, was great. simple not, enough. Not, not only was it awesome because of the atmosphere, as it always is. This was my second time out there. Uh, but, man, they just destroyed Houston from from the first minute to the 90th minute. It was fantastic. But they're kicking us out, so All right. we'll Quickly. move on to our believes. All right, our I believe segments. Uh, very quickly, um, I believe that Trinidad and Tobago will upset Mexico. Ooh, I like that call. I do I believe like that, that will call. happen. I'm going to keep this about the show. I believe we're going to have an actual true two up front next week. Power rankings, reviews, predictions, all of that. Indeed. Uh, but it's been fun mixing it up on this Gold Cup special. Indeed. We were able to welcome in uh, Vavil USA's uh, Afshin. He was able to uh, talk about the Gold Cup games for us and offer some wonderful insight. We'll definitely have him back on the show again in the future, so big thanks out to him. He's Simon Proven. I am Baxter Colburn. Remember, follow us on Facebook uh, at 2UpFront and on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. For all of us here at Sports Radio America. and Including the front, security guy. Including the security guy. Big shout out to him who's kicking us out. We love him, but we <laughs> got to go too. So have a wonderful night from Chicago, Illinois at the 2015 CONCACAF Gold Cup Group C matches. He's Simon Proven. I'm Baxter Colburn. We are managed by the one above, and we are two up front. Police officers know it only takes a few seconds of someone texting and driving for things to go terribly wrong. That's why officers are increasing enforcement of texting and driving laws. So put your phone down when driving, or be prepared for the consequences. You drive, you text, you pay. Paid for by NHTSA. These days, we're all getting more screen time, which means we're also getting more blue light exposure than ever before. Too much blue light can make your eyes feel tired, dry, or blurry. It can also affect your sleep. Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at Zenni.com.